Hello, this is Hindel Grossman, and welcome to the podcast series, Inside Divorce. Today, I'm speaking with Karen Argetsinger, a good friend and colleague of mine who's an attorney with an office in Wellesley. Well, that's the biggest thing with mediation is that you can be creative and you can find different strategies to do. It's not just straightforward. She's of counsel to the law firm of Hutchings, Bartsamian, and is a well-known mediator. She's been mediating since 2006, and she is very active in a lot of local organizations, mediation organizations, and is very active in the world of dispute resolution. So she does not litigate, which is wonderful, and has a whole other perspective on getting people to the conclusion of their divorce with less acrimony. So welcome, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to first to talk about how you got into mediation. Well, basically, I learned about mediation and dispute resolution at around 2006, and I realized an aha moment that there are other options and ways of dispute handling issues. And so that's mm-hmm. when I started and have continued to date. Well, what was the uh, occasion? What was the event that gave you that aha moment? It was just learning that there are options uh-huh. and um, and hearing more about other kinds of alternatives uh-huh. to handling disputes. Right. The world of um, dispute resolution in 2006, mediation was quite popular, gaining in popularity, exactly. call, as was collaborative law. Right. right. And you're a collaborative lawyer too, aren't you? I am. I am. Collaborative was more recent that it's gotten more steam, but mediation definitely... You know, it's it flows into litigation too, so it's a good hand in hand. Yeah. How would you describe your mediation style? Uh, basically, I'm, I'm I'm flexible. I definitely approach each case is different. Yeah. I like to find out you know what's special about that case, and then approach it, just whatever makes it easier for the clients uh-huh. and being flexible all the way around. Uh-huh. So it seems to be each mediator has their own idea of how the process should go. So tell me about your idea of the process. Uh, basically approaching it, uh, making sure that they understand having some education around the situation. Divorce is always difficult. And it's not just in divorce areas. It's in all, all areas. Uh, trying to see if there's a way to educate at the same time of trying to get to some kind of resolution. So so you mediate other areas of the law, not just divorce? I do. I do some employment uh-huh. uh, mediation, and I've done some health advocacy. Yeah. But any area, really any kind of, and it, it's a way to do it preventatively, too, to uh-huh. try and help uh-huh. clients to go in that direction. What do you mean by that, preventatively? If you... If you take a mediation direction or a dispute resolution direction, then you can build from it. Uh, I think during the mediation process, a lot of people have learned, empowered themselves. Um, Couples in particular, one couple will do certain financial pieces and other ones will do other duties in their marriage. And then to sit down and actually learn about these things uh, makes a, a huge difference. Uh, so you mean the in a divorce, for example, one spouse knows more about the finances than the other, and you're talking about educating the less informed spouse about finances, for example. Exactly, yeah. exactly. There's an opportunity in mediation yeah. to do that. Yeah, and also budgeting. There's also a way to bring in other professionals, too, mm-hmm. uh, accountants and different kinds of professionals to help yeah. with that process. So um, does mediation have to be voluntary? It does. It does. Both of the parties do need to – they not – don't necessarily 
want to get divorced, yeah. but they do need to voluntarily come to the table. And there's, there is an agreement that we all sign that makes sure, and, and it's, it's important too, that it's confidential, safe, and voluntary because um, yeah. you are definitely putting your cards on the table yeah. in a sense. Yeah. And we need to make sure that everybody understands that this is what we need to uh-huh. make it work. Uh-huh. Do you sense sometimes that even though both spouses are there voluntarily, that one is there more more voluntarily than the other? Uh, usually, yes. Usually. Huh? And and it's interesting, a lot of the cases though, it's it turns halfway through it and all of a sudden the other one oh. feels like, oh, well, this was not what I expected. Uh-huh. And I'm actually learning a lot out of this. Less and, resistant. Yeah. <laughs> and and this is one, it, it's lucky that there's another way to handle this. I see. So as a mediator, do you need to be neutral? Yes. Yes, definitely. How do you maintain neutrality? <laughs> <laughs> well, I make sure that both of them know that I, even uh-huh. though I am an attorney, I don't represent either party uh-huh. and that I'm here to help facilitate the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that sometimes some of the clients feel like I'm not picking sides, but I know things that happen in the court. And I know uh, I've seen and experienced and done this for so many years that these different kinds of options and creative ways do work. So a, mm-hmm. a little bit of resistance, but then it turns out that they are happy. They see the wisdom of your ways. Huh? Yeah. Well, well, that's the biggest thing with mediation is that you can be creative yeah. and you can find different strategies to do. It's not just straightforward. Yeah. I mean, divorce is one of the hardest times in people's lives. Yeah. So instead of a judge making a decision, they're able to empower themselves and take control of the outcome, yeah. especially when there's children involved. Yeah. The judge doesn't know the children. And so it makes a difference. And even if there's a way to stipulate some of the issues, and then if it still has to go in the court, at least yeah. they've done and they're able to express mm-hmm. certain regrets. You're, you're able to say things at a table yeah. versus what you can do in a court. Yeah, so, where it's an adversarial right. proceeding in a court. Yeah, Huge with apology or yeah. anything of that nature that's, that's important. So when you mediate a divorce, for example, well, what's the first meeting like? Usually what I like to do is I like to talk to each one separately on the phone before, and I circulate groundwork, so finding out the basic issues. And then I usually put together an agenda of the issues that we're going to discuss because I don't want either party to feel like they're going to be sideswiped or they don't know what to prepare for. So that's the way I, I start it. Um, gather the information, circulate an agenda, make sure both of them understand what we're doing. I have food at the first mm-hmm. mediation or mm-hmm. every mediation That's good. so that it makes people feel a little bit more comfortable. Amazing with so, that. Right? <laughs> it's very true. Uh, so we're sitting in a, in a, a conference room yeah. or I, I also am a mobile mediator. I've gone to people's houses a lot of the times. It makes it easier because the documents are at their houses or they feel safer. Um, especially public figures, sometimes doing it more confidential oh, or in that's an area that they uh-huh. feel uh, they can relax a mm-hmm. little bit. So I can't bring food to their house. So if we're at my office yeah. <laughs> in my conference room, okay. definitely we have food. And usually it's a two-hour session, the first session, and we start to go. I always ask them if there's children in, in the situation to bring a picture of the kids. Uh-huh. And I put a picture of the kids in the middle of the table to make sure that we continuously remember why we're here uh-huh. and that the children have a voice at the table uh-huh. because 
that's huge. Is it? As as much as people are fighting over pots and pans and other things, the children are what usually they come to the table with some kind of common interest. <sighs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And if we continue to go back there. So yeah. I usually try and go to something easier, not yeah. easier, but something that they both can agree upon or mm -hmm. work through and then go to the more difficult areas yeah. as we need it. Do you ask them to bring financial um, documents with them to the first meeting? I do. I, I circulate the financial statement, which is required of the court, just so that they don't feel like they're putting together some, they're giving me financial information that is not necessary for the end result. Yeah. Um, but that's a starting point so that if one of the the parties feel like they they would like more information, more financial. We can at least have a basis. Mm -hmm. They want to see statements, or they want to see other kinds of credit cards, or you know something else comes up. Oh, I didn't realize you had that account or anything else. Just talking through that mm -hmm. and seeing what to build at the second session mm -hmm. to try and and build from there. Mm -hmm. We can, and that first session we can talk through things, and I can see what where we need to go from there, mm -hmm. and then build on that and ask them to bring in. How many sessions would you say you have on average to complete a mediation for a divorce? Usually two to three. Two to three? Average. That's yeah. it? Yeah. Two, yeah. two to three sessions. Yeah. Two hours each? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, some other ones are, are longer. And, and also with schedules and everybody's, there's sometimes yeah. it, it'll go a month or two in between yeah. or anything else time-wise. Yeah. But usually we can do, and we do a lot of work outside of, outside of mediation also through emails or discussions. And then I do suggest that they talk to attorneys to make sure that they are getting the right guidance yeah. and advice along the way, yeah. especially mediation-friendly attorneys. Yeah, I understand that. So you have these two or three sessions. You make agendas for the meetings. You hope them to guide them through the process in a neutral way, which is great. And then do you draft the agreement, the separation I, agreement? I do. I usually try and draft all of the documents. I do the joint petition. I do the affidavit. I it's sort of a one-stop shop yeah. in a sense. Still not giving any advice, but certainly because being there's a lot of mediators out there that are not attorneys, but in this sense, they have that extra ability. Mm -hmm. So yes, I will draft the documents. And then I highly suggest that they have attorneys, separate attorneys, review the agreement. Yeah. And then we come back to the table to see what their attorneys have advised. Yeah. And then talk through it and see if what revisions need to be made. Well, good. It's a good practice. So it could it could stretch out over a few months depending on the scheduling issues, really. Exactly. But time is actually one of those factors that helps the divorce, don't you find? I do, I do. And I think people have to live with it. That's something else, because there's no legal separation in Massachusetts. Yeah. Doing it through mediation, you have that time to have that separation. And then when we meet again, there's sometimes, oh, you know what? Because this is non-binding, and because everybody's in a fog when mm -hmm. they're going through this, they can say, this worked, this didn't work, this is what we need to change, let's try this way. It's an experiment. Especially around parenting yeah. plans. Yeah. 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 And seeing what other options are out there, yeah. too. So. Sometimes, in my, in my experience, I have cases that seem to fall into two categories, either as a parenting issue or a financial issue, and rarely both. Right. But occasionally, there's both, right. and that makes the case so much harder. It does. It does. It does. And yeah. sometimes people have to go with attorneys and then come back yeah. to the table, yeah. which which I think is terrific yeah. and helpful. And two, living with it. It's definitely not the 18-month track that most litigation cases will go on. Yeah. 
and it's really more flexible. Yeah. So that's a huge advantage all the way around. Yeah. People have to live with their agreement afterwards. Long time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and it helps the court too if we are able to get to something where they can live with it. Yeah. They own it. Yeah. And then they won't go back and modify it necessarily. Yeah. Fewer times back to court. Exactly. So, do you find that since one of the spouses usually wants the divorce and the other one doesn't, that the one that doesn't drags their feet more? A little bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, lately, I've been seeing about trying to co mediate with psychologists. Uh-huh. So, that's helped. And when they've gone to marriage counseling, sometimes doing it together uh-huh. with the psychiatrist or psychologist, it will help them move forward. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important for the other spouse to hear why they are dragging their feet and why this is painful and yeah. why this is hard Yeah, and acknowledging it. I mean, I think that's that's helpful for the person to keep moving forward. Right. But yes, long answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've t- we've talked about the power of an apology. Yeah. Tell me about what you've observed. I, I've definitely seen in, in divorce situations um, when there's been, whether somebody has had another relationship outside of the marriage, the ability to say I'm sorry uh-huh. is, is huge. And yeah. that goes back to your question before about whether there's more of the reluctant spouse mm-hmm. to get there. Having that apology, mm-hmm. I think, helps tremendously. Mm-hmm. And it, it allows that person to heal yeah. And that's part of the, the process to heal yeah. and move forward. So not that I'm a, a therapist, but sometimes it seems it's helpful yeah. to do that. So and, it, and that's also in the medical field, too. Uh, there's been times when I've mediated situations with doctors. And because of the liability and there was a mistake happened, uh, to be able to hear, I'm sorry, from, from the a doctor, doctor mm-hmm. or for from anybody a spouse yeah. is is huge uh-huh. huge and for the person to be able to say i'm sorry uh-huh. is probably too yeah. also they don't want to say i'm sorry because they don't know what's attached to that or what kind of liability is attached to that but if they're able to in a safe confidential environment to say i'm sorry yeah. for what i did yeah Wow. Is the timing important on the apology? If you say it the first session or the last session, does it matter more? Um, I, I think doing it earlier is sometimes good, but yeah. I think sometimes people have to posture themselves <laughs> <laughs> to on both sides. They're not ready to hear it and yeah. don't want it to be forced. Yeah. So I, I think if it just falls into place, then it, it definitely helps. Yeah. Sounds like when it works, it's great. It is. It's yeah. true. It's true. And then when it doesn't. There's other options, yeah. too, which is good. Can you, this might be a hard question, but can you tell us about any observations you've made about the reasons it falls apart, mediation falls apart? Uh, I think that there's outside influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the most often why it falls apart, if it falls apart. But you by that you mean falls... advice from other people? Uh, yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. Family members, mm-hmm. uh, attorneys, mm-hmm. other kinds of People that have influences in their lives, right. that this is not the way to do it, you, you're being taken for a ride, yeah. other things. But they, they're they not sitting at the table with us, and they don't know what's really being discussed. Yes, it's dangerous so having it all is. that advice from people that aren't yep. in the room. Yep, yep. So I, I think that's definitely it's a disadvantage. Yeah. Um, and, and again, if one party doesn't want to be there, that's also a reason why it doesn't fall apart. Somebody just says, fine, I'll go, just yeah. to appease. Yeah. And then you know, a different 
or they see in the court what happens. Yeah. And then they want to try a different direction if they can. Yeah. What have you been observing about the age of people getting divorced in the past couple of years? Um, it's all over the board, but definitely a lot older. And what I try and acknowledge to people and to, to I guess, not necessarily teach, but that divorce is not a failure mm-hmm. and that just relationships sometimes don't work. Mm-hmm. But if you handle it the right way, then you can move forward, and yeah. especially co-parenting. But yes, I would say that a lot of them are a lot older. Yeah. So we have these retirement yep. issues facing them really quickly. Exactly. Exactly. Pension I notice that too in my practice. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. It definitely makes a difference. Yeah. We've noticed, interesting, um, we do analytics on these podcasts and our website, and we notice that the, actually the age group of people looking at the website is between 24 and 35. Really? Which is interesting, given that you know more and more clients are older. Right. Well, I think that that generation, that group of people are more uh-huh. on the computer, yeah. on the internet all the time, and that's where they're learning and educating, which yeah. is great. And and to that same piece that they need to know about these things and, and be educated about estate planning and doing other things as they are doing things preventatively. Yes. Yeah. Again, a big part of my practice is is to try and, if you can, get ahead of things that happen in life. Life happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you find a lot of the divorce clients that come in for mediation have already been to a marriage counselor? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that has failed to keep the marriage together at least. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is sometimes why it's helpful to co-mediate with Mm -hmm. that marriage counselor. Yeah. Why? Because then that marriage counselor knows the history, knows where the ups and downs of why people will be hesitate hesitate or do anything else and it helps them realize that they can move forward Uh that's a good idea but therapists can also manage the emotions in the room exactly exactly it can get very emotional you can can't it yeah any interesting financial issues that have come up that you want to talk about there's been when there's businesses definitely there's been a lot of financial kind of hiccups and trying to figure out Trying to figure out if somebody's self-employed, which a lot of people are more these days than uh-huh. they were before. Trying to, how do you value yeah. those businesses? How do you, as I know that you've had other podcasts and mm-hmm. education around the business valuation, which, which is also important in these mediations. I, I do try and bring in uh, other professionals to help financial advisors and business valuation. But together, we're... We're doing. We're looking at this together, so it makes a difference versus two dueling. Right, and that's what often happens in divorce litigation. Yeah. Each side gets their own right. appraiser for the real estate or a business valuation person for a business, and um, and then you have two different numbers because they're never exactly the same numbers from the two different appraisers. Right. So if you have a jointly retained one, at least there's only one number. Right. <laughs> well, not to turn this around, but have you seen financial? Same question to you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Financial issues? Yeah. That are... Well, you know, for me, most recent issue is this unallocated support question and how to use unallocated support, which has that tax advantage to be treated like alimony, but on a shorter term marriage and not tie it to the time when the child emancipates. Those are time frame issues that get complicated sometimes. So that's for me and some other of my colleagues about the biggest challenge that we have recently, instead of just using strict child support and you know, kind of traditional alimony calculations. These are this is another category as you well know, unallocated support. So trying to figure out how to use that and then when to convert it to something else when the child you know, it's a case where the child is five, but it's a short, relatively 
you know, less than 10 year marriage. So uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And also it's complicated by the fact that the, the payor, the father is self-employed mm-hmm. and, you know, his income varies by a lot mm-hmm. from year to year. Right, right, right. <laughs> and maybe try to cap the amount of support that goes to the mother. Mm-hmm. And what the judge might permit, which is just a guess sometimes. Right. Almost right. all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it keeps it interesting. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of changes of judges recently to retirements, and there's certainly a lot of uh, vacancies on the bench. So what are you seeing in the courts then? I generally see the trend toward un- unallocated support, but, you know, it doesn't work in every case, I think, is my, my feeling. Right. Which is Which is definitely... Every case is different. Yeah. And there's a lot of new judges on the bench, so I'm not quite sure how each one of them will rule. Mm -hmm. I haven't been in front of them often enough to see. That's why it's good to have colleagues like you in the field to have some experience with them and take a a good guess when negotiating an agreement. Right. Is there anything else you want to talk to me about? On the mediation front? No, it's just that it's it is successful and it's worth trying. Certainly, I know that some people have negative feelings about whether mediation works or not, and don't want to go there. Yeah, but it's definitely I, I definitely promote it. And yeah, I, I think that it's important, and hopefully, it helps litigators. It does. I how. recommend it all the time. When I have the first initial meetings with the client, I always tell them the alternatives to litigation. Mediation, of course, being the top on the list, and I say mediation is great when it works. Mm-hmm. Doesn't always work, but it works a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah much easier way of resolving disputes. Right. Right. Karen, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on this podcast today. Thank you. Inside Divorce. And I look forward to working with you again. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at hindell at grossmanltd.com My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L. Or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.